0: you are about to hear a preview of Partially Examined Life supporter-exclusive content. To learn how to get the whole thing, check out PartiallyExaminedLife.com slash support. Just some context before you hear it. Our availability and enthusiasm surrounding the Marsilio Ficino reading was low enough that we decided not to have a full part three to that discussion. But Wes and I did have a nightcap that we spent
1: about half of reading additional quotes from Ficino. You're going to hear a sample of that right now. You're reminding me that this, thinking about this, the idea that the tendency towards propagation is, right, there's a drive element to it. Of course, subjectively, or for animals, for instance, no animal says, oh, I want to reproduce myself. There's no subjective desire to reproduce. Mm-hmm. And the same thing in humans. There's just some people want to have kids, some, some don't, but generally people want to have sex and they want to have sex because it's pleasurable. And to call that a reproductive drive or urge is, is odd right? Unless you can make philosophical sense of that, right? And this is the platonic idea in the, in the symposium, which is that love involves the urge to reproduce in the presence of beauty or reproduce beautiful forms. Strangely enough, we can't, that doesn't really work with sex very well. Reproduction is a kind of byproduct of sex, but the primary desire is for the sexual experience itself. Unless we do some psychology and we say, we do all that Hegelian stuff where, right, he's talking about, I lose myself in the other person and I find them again. They have my soul. I see myself in the other, all that mutual recognition stuff. That's where the reproduction shows up. And that's really interesting psychologically because that's a critical part of human sexual desire, right? The idea that I, am aware of another person being aware of me or, you know, I'm aware of my attractive power over the other. You see what I'm saying? There's a reproductive element in mutual consciousness that sort of vindicates the idea that actually we do look for reproduction. We look for the urge for self-consciousness or something like that, or for attention from others is a kind of reproductive urge. Um, I have to reproduce myself and the, and the other in order to actually even be myself.
0: So I'm wondering how this, this goes with his picture of I die when I love you because I put myself in you. But then there are two resurrections. He says this is a uh, page 145. First, the dead returns to life immediately in his loved one as soon as the loved one embraces him in loving contemplation. Then he's re- He's resurrected once more and he fully recognizes himself in the beloved and, oh, right. and no longer doubts that he is loved. Yeah. So in neither of those, if I, if I was truly casting myself out, so I was no longer me, which is how he poetically describes it. Let's say this. So much of this is this poetic stuff is literal, literal metaphysical, but this at least Peter was trying to argue with me, this whole you've murdered me. I love you. And you've <laughs> murdered me. This is poetic and dramatic. But really, you know, so it should be like on the Hegelian thing, like I'm a partial thing and then I see a reflection of, I'm attracted to like attracts like, he says. And so I see a reflection of myself in you that attracts me, then you treat me certain ways, you reciprocate, and that actually then reinforces, so I become the unfulfilled potential goes out and comes back and now I'm a fulfilled potential. So I think, you know, that works pretty well with Ficino's model. I guess that's supposed to be going out from God and coming back and realizing that you're God, but at least it has the circle thing in it. But if I in throwing myself out am no longer me, if I was a full total me, cause we all just are because he doesn't have this thing. Maybe I'm just spitballing here. This idea of I'm merely a a potential partial. I'm not a full self until I see myself in another person or, you know, until uh, the other person sort of fills me in. And then I internalize that. It just seems like that doesn't fit exactly. Like if the other person was God, that exactly is how it works with Ficino. But I don't feel like I'm I'm not sure what his picture, if, if he has enough respect for romantic love to see something that is comparable to that right? It's not actually reproducing myself if I've lost myself, right? <laughs> if I'm literally just moving myself from me well, to you, then I'm. it's no longer a reproduction of me. I've just, it's a shifting.
1: Yeah, but then I, I, I regain myself by seeing myself in you. But I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm not sure, so I'm being a little bit more speculative, mm-hmm. but the, you know, so how it squares exactly with Ficino, I'm not sure, but the idea for me is that Part of loving and being loved is, you know, or, or just let's say part of, I'm not which sure which part of it is, but part of loving and being loved is the desire to be seen, the desire to be represented, right? So the desire to be reproduced in the mind of the other and to know that you've been reproduced in the mind of the other, right? You want to be seen, you want to be known, you want to be desired, you want to be loved. So these all, all of these things require, right, Ficino calls it an image there's got to be an image of you and the other, a reproduction, a representation. And sometimes they, you know, he even goes in a little bit about, let's see, it's kind of like the equivalent of transference in psychoanalysis. This is in chapter six of the sixth speech. But, you know, sometimes when we love someone and they and the image is lacking, we kind of work that over a little bit and reform it, you know. In other words, we overvalue the other, especially in the beginning, if we're infatuated and we treat every little flaw, the things that later might drive us crazy as, as, you know, cute and, and charming. But anyway, the thing that interests me with the metaphor of reproduction is the idea that I want another to represent me and then I want to be aware of their representation. So I need a mediated contact with myself. I don't just want the raw. <laughs> or even to be self-conscious, right? I guess the Hegelian view is, you know, self-consciousness requires that mediating factor, even if I've internalized it. It's not just that I can look at myself. I have to look at another looking at me in order to look at myself. right?
0: So this is making me want to return to Kierkegaard. I know we had talked about either doing either or, which does have stuff about sensuality, You know, the Don Juan uh, famously and transcending that in favor of the moral and then the theological. Or you had brought up
1: something specifically about love. Yeah, it's called Works of Love. Is that about romantic love or is it? I think it's more about love of God. That's the thing I'm wondering about Uh, here. So So it sounds like. So it deals primarily. I'm just looking at Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. It deals primarily with the Christian, Christian conception of agape. Love, which is for God, in contrast with erotic love or preferential love given to friends and family, Kierkegaard uses this value virtue to understand the existence and relationship of the individual Christian is the relationship between the yeah erotic love and love of God.
0: When we did the, the Kierkegaard episode, our first one a long time ago, and we'd done that shortly after Hegel, then I was reflecting at the time on what a poor substitute love of God is for love of another human being, because as you've just described, the mutual recognition thing, you can't get from God. God is not going to answer you and say, yep, I see ya. Like You just have to sort of make it up. Even if God is real, even if God is can reach into our souls, he doesn't give us the concrete feedback that a human being can do. But Ficino is arguing here that God is the only thing that can, that we are, we do come to the world as sort of, unfulfilled, empty shells, you know, a mere uh, copy of something. And we have to go out and discover beauty and regain the light that we lost in the fall. And that is the only way that we can actually get a true view of ourselves. And when we try to do that with a human being, as we've been describing in this section, it doesn't really work where
1: (laughs) we don't actually connect with other humans that way. That is merely an illusion. Again, this is the whole argument for the for philosophy. <laughs> philosophy is better than sex or philosophy is better than human love because this is how we're supposed to get the philosophical contemplation is somehow supposed to have that reciprocity, strangely enough, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're saying God can't really give you any feedback. <laughs> can't say I love you back. But somehow we get, you know, our relationship to the divine. You know, obviously there's worship and prayer. But I think for someone like Ficino and for, for philosophers, it really is about philosophical activity, philosophical contemplation. And that is, of course, you know, on the Hegelian account, that is the absolute coming to know itself, right? So there is that circle, there is that mm-hmm. return kind of embedded there. There's a way in which it feels contemplative learning feels like there is reciprocity. Maybe that's the... That's the wonderful thing about it. It's the St. John's magic. <laughs> you read the text and you do it actively and you feel like you are in a dialogue with a being or something like that or with another.
0: Well, that might be how the solution to the religious version, because I'm imagining a personal relationship with God, you know, the, the radical, mm. which is probably is more what Kierkegaard is. But I think a, a Christian might respond to the way I was just describing it is, well, God's feedback to you is the good book is engaging with it and with other theologians and with, you know, the whole tradition importantly. So God is giving us feedback. God is saying, I love you, but maybe you should do these things better. Maybe you should follow the law better. Like that, that is kind of like, you know, in a relationship, except that the person that you're in a relationship with, with this might have all sorts of irrational demands of you. Whereas (laughs) God's demands would be only that you be maximally virtuous as opposed to, can you just fulfill my whims? you know, you're imagining a particularly bad influence as a lover.
1: Yeah. I mean, the feedback we get is everything we get by brushing up against reality, right? So in the case of the sciences, the feedback is the results of the experiment. We do things to nature, and then we certainly end up with more than we started with. We get feedback in that sense. And then I think we could do the same sort of thing for philosophical contemplation, right? So if we discover like Aquinas, we discover all these proofs for the existence of God, or we discover God's properties in a way we have gotten to know God. And one could even say that that's God's communication to us. But yeah,
0: maybe it is like the universe. If you hold certain views of God, then If you are not on the right path, you know, the universe will tell you in various ways. You'll fail in various ways, right? (laughs) Because God only commands us to do reasonable things, to be virtuous and on the whole platonic model. You don't, by being the vicious ring of Gyges, I will use the ring of invisibility to take all I want and become a tyrant. Things don't work out for you. Like the universe will show you that, oh, actually, you thought this would put you on top of the world, but you're an empty husk. You're living a completely right. unfulfilled life.
1: All that suffering you're doing is just God looking back at you. <laughs> it's like Nietzsche, you know, you look into the, uh, stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back into you.
0: If that sounds like the kind of thing that you want to hear more about, then please go to partiallyexaminelife.com/ slash support. Thanks for listening.